Girlfriends, episode number 336, Getting Real About the Messiness of Marriage with Beth Suri. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I have a special guest, author Beth Sri, who's going to be talking real talk about marriage. I can't wait to share this with you. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriend, how are you? Thank you so much for showing up here today. So glad to be able to connect with you through the podcast. So my guest is going to be Beth Sri, and I can't wait to share that conversation with you. She's got a new book out with her husband. Um, You might have heard of him. He's a Catholic apologetics expert, author. He also has a podcast through Ascension called All Things Catholic, Edward Sri, and she wrote this book together with him. So I can't wait to share about this resource with you. But before that, by way of kind of introducing this topic of the messiness of marriage, I thought I would just share with you an observation of mine through the years is that we as Catholics don't talk enough about the messiness of marriage, about how very difficult marriage can be sometimes. You know, sometimes I have opportunities to speak at a marriage conference, and I always love the opportunity to speak to couples about exactly this, that marriage is a really hard thing. And yes, there are unique joys to it, but there are also unique challenges in that sometimes we gloss over that. And that in the end, that means that young couples will wind up feeling like, what's wrong with us? That, you know, we're we're going through this hard time. And so I like to reassure people that if your marriage is going through a hard time, then, you know, that doesn't mean that you have to get a divorce. That doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong. That's part of it. That is part of how marriage sanctifies you, is going through these hard times. And every marriage, even the very best of marriages, go through some hard times. And this is why the church's teaching on the indissolubility of marriage is such a gift to us. Because if we didn't have that teaching, we would walk away. Every one of us would at some point say, this is no longer working for me. This doesn't feel good anymore. This person isn't you know, quote unquote, making me happy, we would walk away. And I think that's a really important thing to say. And as unpleasant as it is to hear maybe or to think about, even just the very best of marriages go through some hard times. And it's, it's just part of our human experience, our human frailty, and our our human flawed nature that we're going to have really hard times in marriage sometimes because you're two flawed human beings trying to work on this thing together and you're going to rub up against each other's rough edges sometimes. So I think it's important to to be clear about that. Of course, every marriage is different and some couples are going to be, you know, feistier. They're going to they have different temperaments and maybe they're going to argue more than others. But every marriage does go through hard times and just think that's a really important thing to note because I know that I went into our marriage not really understanding that, I think. 
And not really having an understanding of the fact that disagreeing about something doesn't mean it's the end of the world. And and Dan and I have kind of grown in our understanding of how we can talk about things when we disagree in mature ways. We weren't always mature in the ways that we disagreed about things and in loving ways with love and respect. And that's something that you you get better at by trying and failing and figuring out what what works, what makes sense, what what love looks like in that circumstance. And it's all part of God's plan for you and your marriage. So if you're going through a tough time right now, I hope you're going to be consoled and encouraged, uh, first of all, by my conversation with Beth, but also in just knowing that that's, that's part of the deal. And it, it means you, you keep getting up and you keep trying again and you recommit. You know, I, I, marriage isn't something that you commit to on that one day on your wedding day when you take your vows. It's something that you need to recommit to, a choice you need to make again to love this person every single day and sometimes multiple times throughout the day. It's just, that's part of it. So know that and be encouraged by knowing that. But I can't wait to share this conversation with Beth Sri with you because she is somebody who truly gets it. And this new book that she's put together with her husband, Edward, called The Good, The Messy, and The Beautiful is truly a gift to the church. I cannot wait to share this conversation with you. And I can't wait for you to be edified by what they share in their book. Joining me here today on Girlfriends is Beth Sri. Beth is the mother of eight, ages 21 down to six, and wife to Catholic theologian Edward Sri. She loves running in the Colorado sunshine and discussing Jane Austen novels. We're not going to discuss the Jane Austen. I mean, I'm not ruling it out, but we're going to talk today about um, Beth's new book that she wrote together with her husband, Edward, The Good, the Messy, and the Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life. Welcome to Girlfriends, Beth. I'm glad you're here. Thanks, Danielle. It's a joy to be with you. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've i been a fan, of, of course, of your husband's work for years, and then more recently of you, as I've gotten to know you a little bit through your involvement in the Catholic Mom Summit and other places. But this this is your first book, correct? Yes. Yeah. So yes. how exciting. So why, why this book? Why now? Well, it's interesting. You know, back in 2020, when there were all the lockdowns and everyone's speaking schedule and life was completely uprooted, mm-hmm. um, there was that marriage conference. I know you were a part of it as well. Yep. And so Ted and I did some things together. I will say my husband goes by Ted. His full name is Edward. That can be confusing for people. So <laughs> I call him Ted because that's what all the people closest to him call him. That's his nickname. Um, yeah. That's his nickname. Yeah, <laughs> always has been. So we started doing like Zoom stuff together. And then we realized that a lot of what we were saying was really hitting home with people. And so from there, it Mm kind of grew into the idea of, well, we should write a book about it. And now it's finally here just earlier (laughs) last month. So yeah. Does it feel a little like giving birth? (laughs) In a certain way, yes. (laughs) I mean, in this case, though, my husband was the one with the expertise, not me. So yeah, so interesting dynamic there. Um, But what I love about this book is that it's so real and that you share your own stories. And what I found really encouraging is it's just right there in the title, the good, the messy and the beautiful, the joys and struggles of real married life that that's what people need to hear more of. Because I, I don't know about you, but when we first got married, I was, you know, all stars in my eyes about this Catholic marriage. And, you know, then when we did hit hard times, when we did struggle, I kind of felt like 
it wasn't working or we were, you know, we were different from everybody else and we were struggling in ways that other people didn't and kind of felt alone in it. And I feel like there isn't enough honest conversation about that real struggle. I mean, is that part of what motivated you to write this? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's a common thing we see working with young adults in Focus or at the Augustine Institute or even some of our our lovely, you know, teenage children that it's like, well, you just have to to love Jesus and you just go to adoration and you just have to be all about the church teaching and then you're going to be totally fine. Right. You know, we're not going (laughs) to struggle like everybody else did because we're doing it right. And there's something noble about that. Truly. We were like that, Mm -hmm. you know, when we were getting married, like you mentioned, and then you sure enough, you get married and you fall flat on your face and things get challenging. And then you, it's a temptation to kind of fall into despair Mm -hmm. of, wow, maybe I married the wrong person, or maybe I'm just not cut out for this, you know? And if we look at what's available, oftentimes about marriage, it is more of the high noble ideal, which is awesome to inspire us. Right. But when our experience doesn't match that, then it just leads to further shame and isolation, turning in on yourself, turning away from your beloved, and it can really spiral out. So we just wanted to break through that. Mm-hmm. And to, I mean, even the the opening chapter, when my husband first proposed, starting with that, I was like, oh, 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 no, no. Yeah, yeah. Share a no. little bit about that. Share. <laughs> so yeah. I'll, I'll just read it. I have okay. it here. In front okay, of great. Me. I'll read the first chapter uh, or the first paragraph. There's a chip on our bedroom wall that looks a bit like a scar, the mark of a wound in our marriage. Though we'd done countless projects repairing blemishes in our home, this is one we intend to keep. For it reminds us as a couple of the work God has done in our marriage, bringing healing in our hearts and a deeper unity and trust that we otherwise would not have experienced if we did not have the wake-up call God gave us that night when we left that unfortunate Nick in the wall. Ouch. Yeah. So we're just diving right in. Yeah. Just Just putting the messy stuff out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. there's been, there's been very unsavory moments in our marriage. yeah. yeah, but I think that's fairly common. And then For the sure. question is, what do you what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, do you throw your hands up in the air? Do you give up? Do you continue to turn away and and turn towards yourself or other, you know, coping mechanisms? Or do you say, okay, Jesus, you brought us together. What are what? How can we meet you here? Mm-hmm. You know, and and we we try and kind of turn that notion on its head that you know I'm just not good enough or. There's this repair, this, we can't, this is hopeless. We can't repair this Mm -hmm. because actually it means the sacrament's working Yeah. when we struggle. Explain that. Yeah. Explain that a little bit. Because Jesus, you know, our Lord brings two people together and and the idea of marriage is is a vocation. Mm -hmm. It's not self-fulfillment. It's not to make me feel good about myself. (laughs) You know, would that it were true like that, but no, it's for your purification. Mm -hmm. It's for your sanctification. And so by its nature, it's meant to rub away all the sharp edges off of each person. By its nature, it's supposed to pull out all the really great, beautiful, virtuous parts of you and the not so great, really <laughs> scary, ugly, not virtuous parts of you mm-hmm. so that you can bring them to the light. You can bring them to our Lord. You can heal them. You can really um, work through them together and then become the person that you are created to be. 
Yeah, I think that's that's so important for us to be actually speaking that out loud, especially to the next generation, I think, because yeah. as you're speaking, I'm like, that's exactly what I try to tell my young adult kids, you know, some of whom are married. And I know you have a daughter who's engaged. Um, mm-hmm. are, are you aware of that in your conversations with them? I know as my kids became of an age to be married, and some of them got engaged, I all of a sudden realized what the world was telling us about marriage and how wrong it was like this whole find somebody who makes you happy thing, which like, what are you talking about? And, mm-hmm. and it's really a countercultural thing. And it doesn't at first sound right. Like I'm like, my spouse isn't supposed to make me happy. Of course he is. Right. And of course they do sometimes, right. You're going to find joy in marriage. That's real too. But I think it's so vitally important that we speak that message to them about what marriage really is. Absolutely. That when you, you commit to your spouse, when you make your vows, like you're in it to win it. Yeah. You know, that there's there's no backing out. There's a great quote that we use in the book um, from John Paul II that the idea is, I'll paraphrase, that God who calls the couple to marriage continues calling them each day. Yeah. You know, like in the the joys, the struggles, the you know, the hardships, the the wonderful parts of it, like there's not like our Lord brings two people together and then he's like, Okay, great, see ya. Have a nice <laughs> life. Good luck to you. No, no, no. Like when my spouse hurts me, I'm called to get outside of myself and to respond in a way that is charitable, that assumes positive intent, that allows him to rise to the occasion. I'm called to forgive. I'm called to ask for forgiveness when I screw up. And I'm called to Mm -hmm. sacrifice and to go and to be generous in ways that I didn't know was possible. But it's not like we're left hanging. That, that really Jesus in the, is in the midst of it with us, you know, the whole mm-hmm. machine book, three to get married. Yeah. You know, He's in it. it's, yeah. And that's, that's by design. And so with, with my kids, it's really been great to see, um, for instance, my son is a camp counselor this summer living on the side of a mountain, uh, mm-hmm. radical self-giving, mm-hmm. you know, and every time I go out there, I've been up there several times, dropping off, picking up other children, I'm like, this is so good for him. And it's so good for all the camp counselors. Like, this is like a foreshadowing of what marriage is. Yeah. Lack of sleep, not getting to (laughs) eat what you want, not getting to pray when you want, radically caring for and being attuned and attentive to these young people that you're responsible for. And for them, it's a week or nine days. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's the stretching. And that's what, what marriage really is, is the radical stretching of each person to hold more space for the other, but then also to hold more space for our Lord to give to those entrusted to their care. Really beautiful. That's that's such a beautiful way of looking at it. Now, you said something just a moment ago, um, and it stood out to me because I think it's a really important truth, that um, talking about our the kinds of assumptions we make in our relationship with our spouse, mm-hmm. because I think this is key. And this is something that Dan and I have come to realize about ourselves. You know, it's only taken us 27 years and counting, like, and we're still figuring it out. But we kind of came to the realization, like so many of our stupid fights and some of the ones that are even the most hurtful are are just tragic because they didn't have to happen because they're all based on one of us assuming the worst about the other. And it's so easy to do that, especially if you have insecurity, if you have, you know, maybe even past betrayals or anything going on, and maybe not even in that relationship, you know, we all bring baggage. But um, maybe you could talk a little bit about that, the importance of assuming the best intentions, even when you're so sure that they're just doing it to be a jerk. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. And, and that's just it. I mean, think about it. No one's spouse wakes up in the morning and says, oh, how can I really irritate my wife today or my husband? How can I make his life miserable? Like, that's just not generally speaking right. anyone's MO. Right. So when we're able to see like, you know, our husband or our, our wife is acting in a way that is just really frustrating or annoying or, or that's really getting under our skin to be like, okay, I'm sure he's not coming at this to try and make my life complicated or miserable or trying <laughs> to get a rile out of me. Yeah. You know, so, so you have to kind of put on a lens or a, a way of seeing things of, okay, what could be going on around my beloved right now? You know, I, how did they sleep? What's going on at the office? You know, what's going on with the baby, whatever that might be a reason why they're behaving this way. Right. You know, and that assuming positive intent, you could also say, give them the benefit of the doubt, mm -hmm. but also just to really cultivate gratitude in, in relation and not, that's not just like, okay, what am I grateful for? Uh, I, I, okay. <laughs> you know, like thinking of it, like I try and keep a running tab within me that I can pull out at any moment. And it's kind of like, um, you know, Fox News or CNN, those news networks, they have that ticker tape, that line at the oh, bottom right, of the right. screen that says all the new, you know, scores or the news or whatever. Like to have something like that that I can call on at any moment about my spouse. Mm -hmm. You know, like he takes out the trash without asking most of the time. He's awesome with the kids getting on the floor and wrestling with them. He's an excellent provider. You know, he's very humble. He's usually the one to apologize first. So that when those annoyances come up, I don't have to jump on them and then let things explode. <laughs> but I can yeah. pull back, say, okay, he's got some stuff going on. I can offer grace and then remember the good things and, and what I do appreciate about him to mm -hmm. just create space. And then, of course, you do need to bring it up at right. some point. You know, you don't want to let things fester. You want to keep a short account, but to do it in a way that offers him the opportunity to be like, you know, it's, I think it's a temptation for us women. I don't know about you, Danielle, but I know I do this to click in outside of being rational and just, oh, yeah. I did yeah. it. Okay, <laughs> you know, and you just and lose it. Yeah. yeah. But mm -hmm. if I can just be like, okay, pull it in. Okay. Deep breath. Okay. I'm sure you didn't intend this, but when you said this with this edge or when you brought this up again, I felt this because mm -hmm. it just recalled all the other times. And, and I, and in coming at him with my, you know, full self and with my brain integrated with the emotions <laughs> yeah. is less threatening. And then we can resolve it more easily. Yeah. Took I a lot of time. Great. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's the sort of thing you only learn by doing. And it yes. takes years, I think. Absolutely. And that's that can be so frustrating because you can even think you have arrived and then some little thing comes and, and totally throws you off. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, when you were talking about that, like just pausing in the moment, I think that's so vital. And mm -hmm. rather than just flying off the handle, and it, it's so vital for, for both spouses to do that. It, it reminded me of like, Dan and I have this thing where we it's kind of like a running joke in our marriage where we like, there was one time where we were, you know, almost almost fighting about something I don't even remember what it was and and I was kind of in a snippy way asking him to like you know tell me more about what he was saying and and then he was like why are you coming at me and I was like I'm requesting clarification and and so that phrase has stuck with us and and it's it's very useful I think it's really fun for for couples to have things like yeah. that because then it's like are you requesting clarification like are you like is this a moment where we need to pause and you know think about like what I'm saying and how it might sound to the other person I think 
that's so helpful. Just hit that pause button, whether you call it requesting clarification or not, that you just you want to be clear. And if you're if you're tempted to be hurt or assume something negative, so vitally important to just pause and maybe ask them to rephrase it or ask them what they mean by that. Because chances are, I mean, we do this, right? Like we just, you know, throw off thoughtless comments like a hundred mm-hmm. times a day, especially with someone you're as close to as your husband. Um, but now you shared about this vulnerability you have throughout the book, starting on page one. And how do you feel now that the book is out in the world? Do you have like a vulnerability hangover? <laughs> a little bit. I, I tend to... <laughs> be the type of person like I'll say something and I don't remember what I said. And so I forget what's in here. And then people will come up and be like, oh, and this and oh, and that. I'm like, oh, 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 yeah. You know, and you're like, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, so, oh, when I wrote that, I wasn't thinking about you reading it. Like, <laughs> right, right. So not entirely. A lot of these stories my husband has used in his talks and things before. So yeah. they've been out there. But um yeah, it is different to have my name on it, you know, my picture on it. That part's different, but yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's, it's but great. I think it's so helpful. I'm grateful to you for doing it because it, it really makes the book real and truly helpful to couples. Now, Beth, there might be some people who are listening. They're like, well, not my marriage. Like, you know, I we're just too far gone or we've got these entrenched bad habits over years or he doesn't share my faith or, you know, insert your excuse here. What, what do you most want people to know that are really strong? struggling in their marriages? I'd say that healing is possible, you know, Mm -hmm. that, and that's one part that we really go after is just my own healing journey and how it caused, it caused a lot of problems at first in our marriage, because Mm -hmm. as I was going a deep dive into um, wounds from my past and wounds from my childhood and, and really realizing how I was living out of those, That um, all of a sudden I, you know, things, ways of relating and interacting for my husband and I, all of a sudden I was not cool with that anymore. Like for 15 years, we'd said, he would say this and I would do this and I would do this and he would say that, you know, and all of a sudden I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm not okay. No, don't, no, we can't do this and we should do this instead. And my poor husband was like, what is happening? Who are you? (laughs) Um, Yeah. So you were, you were going to therapy on your own at that point. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was related to wounds around the way I grew up, you know, having divorced parents and going back and forth and just a lot of the things that I'd internalized from that experience in order to survive. I mean, in a way, I'm like super grateful for those coping mechanisms, but they weren't serving me in my adult life and my marriage. And so I needed to really take him to a specialist and take him to our Lord in a special way and really run Mm -hmm. after him. So, um, yeah, but eventually it got to the point where my husband came with me to therapy, you know, several Mm -hmm. times. And it was helpful just to have my therapist there to be like a third party, you know, and certain things I couldn't articulate, she could articulate for him and help him to really understand it. And so then he could respond better. And so I think, honestly, I mean, I think most people have something to go to therapy for, you know, Mm -hmm. and and truly only brave people go to therapy. It's not something that should be shameful whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But something like that can really be a huge reset in the marriage, whether it's together, whether it's individual, each person or just one person and bringing the other person in Um, But it's a radical commitment to, I want to be better for you, for this marriage, for our children, for whatever God has in store for us. But in order to Mm -hmm. do that, sometimes we have to look back and see, like you said earlier, what are we living out of? 
what's right. what, what is affecting us here. So right, right. I I love that that perspective on on getting outside help because sometimes I think it's it's less so now, but there's sometimes mm-hmm. still a stigma attached to it. Like oh well, we're not in in that kind of trouble. Like we don't need to go to therapy. We don't need right. to go to counseling. But like you said, it's brave people and it's people who are committed to their relationship. And mm-hmm. you know the people I know that have gone to couples counseling or therapy, it's because they care so very much about that relationship that they're willing to invest in it in that way to make it the best that it can be. So really important that people hear that kind of encouragement. Um, but, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you about is, is, you know, you've, you and your husband have this big family, you've, you've still got even little kids in the house. And how do you manage that? How do you manage to have time for your, your marriage? Because I know, through the years here, you know, raising a bunch of kids and all just the crazy business, you know, work and life and whatever, that sometimes spending time alone together is almost impossible, or it feels like the last thing in the world that you have energy or want to put effort into. How have the two of you navigated that? Yeah, so it's been a process. You know, I'm sure you can remember at the beginning years when you had little children, like life was just so much more physically demanding. And you're so much more exhausted. and, And you still have your whole life ahead of you, you know, so you have one baby, two babies, maybe they come quickly. And you're like, I could have 13 babies in 10 years. You know, you just don't know <laughs> where things are going to go, you know? So there's a little bit more fear and trepidation. So I would say mm-hmm. it, was, it was harder then. We were very intentional and we would do business meetings Sunday night after the kids went down where I could just be like, have my list from the week. And when are we having these people over? And what about this? And are we doing vacation? And what's happening for Thanksgiving? You know, we could get mm-hmm. all the logistics stuff out. And then it was just established that Tuesday night after the kids went down, it was our time together, you know, so mm-hmm. we'd watch a movie, play a game. So we were really, we had to have those, those anchors in the week because life was so taxing. And now mm-hmm. fast forward, we have a tradition. We don't do it every day, but after dinner, the kids clean up and the two of us just go for a walk. And so that's our time to connect, to get a little exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we'll go out for dates. We've been doing more traveling together, you know, now that we have kids that can actually hold the fort down. Right. um, It's just been awesome. So it really is. It's like trial and error. What works? What's possible? Where can we push? Oh, we can't push there too right now. Let's pull back. (laughs) But always looking for the way to make it a priority. It's been huge. Yeah. Yeah. So who are some of your favorite saints with regard to marriage? Like whether it's their example or the ones that you like to pray to or, you know, who stands out to you as some of our heavenly helpers in in marriage? Well, obviously, John Paul II, you know, he wrote so much on marriage (laughs) and um, Ted and I both really, yeah, he's a special one for us. We were able to meet him shortly after we were married on our honeymoon. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Received the papal blessing. So, um and we have a our fourth son whose birthday is today is actually oh. Carl John Paul, named for Carl Wojtyla John Paul. So we call him yes. the JP two Grand Slam. So um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's great. I love our I love all our kids. It's fun to watch yeah. them grow and develop. So yeah, John Paul II is mm-hmm. top notch. Obviously, there's Saint Jana Beretta Mola. I've always had a great respect for her and. Louis and Zaylee Martin, we've Ted yes. adore St. Therese, you know, and so looking at their example, um, I will throw out an, an unusual one okay. that relates to marriage 
way of mirroring how the soul relates to God. Um, mm-hmm. And that's my new favorite Saint, Saint John of the Cross. Oh, okay. he's, he, I think he gets a bad rap in modern circles where, you know, everyone thinks of him as, oh, the dark night and self-abnegation. But if you read his works or read works about him, like mm-hmm. the the depth of love and and how you enter into union with your beloved being our Lord, I mean, it definitely translates to marriage. And Ted mm-hmm. and I right now are both reading a book about St. John of the Cross. We each have our own copy. But it's been a great oh, conversation nice. point. I mean, there he's, oh, he's, oh, just John of the Cross is, is my guy. Okay. Right You're, so, you've intrigued me. I'm yeah. going to be checking that out. Yeah. Um, and, and so reading a book together, is that something that you regularly do? No, it's quite unusual, actually. I mean, I've been on this John of the Cross kick for almost a year now. And then um, he needed to be reading it for a class and something, another work of his. And so I started reading it and he's like, oh, is that good? And I'm like, yes, it's very good. So then he started reading it. So it's been fun. I mean, it's it's not typical. It's not unusual, but um, right. it is great to really have more intellectual conversations and yeah. Yeah. So um, we're almost out of time here, but I do want to ask you a little bit about Catholic marriage and sex, because you have this little section at the yeah. end of the of the book, right, where you're like, well, we have to talk about intimacy. <laughs> um, but I love that you sort of encapsulate, you know, church teaching, but it's it's done in a very encouraging way. What, what do you think, like, what do you wish more Catholics knew about Catholic teaching about sex and marriage? Oh, that's a great question. I think it's just, I think the biggest thing, and, and that's in the appendix, the chapter you mentioned, is mm-hmm. that it's it's way more than just the act itself. Like right. it really is the conglomeration of the way you interact, the way that you spend time together, the way that you're growing in virtue towards one another, towards your family, that it's way more than just, you know, the actual intimacy. Like it, it's, and it, and also that it just gets so much better the more that you've been married. You know, I right. think there's a temptation to think like we're married now and we've waited. And so it has to be fireworks. And if it's not, then what are we doing wrong? But there mm-hmm. really is a sense of, of practice over time and of knowing your spouse better that it becomes, mm-hmm. I don't know, more beautiful and, and more what it's intended to be. But it's not something that's served up right away as soon as you've been married or within five years or 10 years, you know, it it takes Mm -hmm. time and communication and practice and yeah, but it is something that Mm -hmm. definitely grows. Yeah. That's a very positive, encouraging message. I think that's a really important one for people to hear. So the book is, again, I'm going to say the title, it's The Good, The Messy, and The Beautiful, The Joys and Struggles of Real Married Life by Edward and Beth Sri. Beth, where can people go to find out more about this book and maybe check out some of your work online? Yeah. So the book's available at Ascension Press. Um, Amazon has had it, but it's been kind of, they have it. No, they don't, you know, so they're not super (laughs) reliable. Get it from Ascension. (laughs) Yeah. And then my website where I keep my particular things is borntodothis.org. That's for the Joan of Arc quote. I'm not afraid I'm born to do this. Yes. I love that. Yeah. And then I also, I'm on Instagram primarily at Mrs. Beth Sri. So Okay, we'll have those linked up in the show notes so people can check that out and make sure to get their copy of The Good, The Messy, and The Beautiful. 
Beth, thank you so much. Thank you for writing this book. Thank you for your vulnerability. I think it is so vitally important. And I, I know it's going to be a gift to the church. And, and thanks for coming on Girlfriends to share about it. You're so welcome. Thanks for having me, Danielle. Of course. All right, coming up, we've got more of the show for you. But first, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Okay, here's the gut check right here, because if nothing changes, nothing changes. Do you want to be holy? And do you want to be an instrument of renewal in this world? And if so, do you believe it's possible? Do you know what it looks like? Do you know where to begin? Because if nothing changes, nothing changes. My name is Father Mark Mary. I'm a Franciscan friar of the Renewal. And I wrote a book called Habits for Holiness. And it pulls from over 800 years of Franciscan tradition, wisdom, and experience of radical and total discipleship in the midst of the world, but in a way which begins with little steps and works not only for religion, not only for priests, but for everybody. The change you desire is possible. The conversion you desire is possible. The renewal you desire is possible. The healing you desire is possible. And it begins with little steps. So to guide you on your way and to help you make the next best step of renewal in your life, I'd invite you to pick up a copy of my book, Habits for Holiness. God bless you. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share some listener feedback or a listener question with you. And this week I heard from Vanessa who reached out to me on Instagram and she said, how can I know if I am meant to stay home full time with my kids? I have a master's in social work and sometimes I feel like I'm wasting my education by staying home full time with my kids who are 10, 7, 5, and 3. And yet I really love being home with them. How do women decide these things? Okay, Vanessa, um, first of all, I cannot tell you that. I can't decide that for you. But I, I understand you're, you're kind of feeling torn. And I think every woman, whether they stay home full time or work full time or something in between, can relate to that kind of push and pull of your feelings about it. And the idea that we, we feel guilty regardless, right? And, and that's something we took up in a recent podcast, when we were talking about ideas for working moms is this, this idea that regardless of what we do, there's going to be somebody, something that's vying for our time and attention that's going to make us feel guilty. So, I mean, first of all, what you tell me is you love being home with your kids. So I don't actually, I guess I actually can tell you, stay home with your kids. Like you love it. It sounds like it's not a financial issue where um, you, you need to be working. Then absolutely no reason why you should be working. And I do want to address what you said, because I've heard this before, where someone feels like they're wasting their education. I remember talking with a young woman once who was wanting to stay home with her newborn, but feeling like my parents invested in my education at college, and I owe it to them to be doing something with that. And first of all, your experience at college helped to form you into the person that you are, which has helped to form you as a mother. And whether you're actually like pulling stuff from the courses that you took or not, as you're living out your vocation to motherhood, doesn't matter. It's all part of the experience. You know, I once had somebody who was in the process of hiring people and, and he was telling me that he was really looking for somebody with a four-year degree. And it wasn't because of any particular skills that he thought the person would have other than the fact that somebody has a four-year degree indicated to him that that person has a certain level of perseverance, a certain level of discipline to be able to follow through and you know achieve something like that. That doesn't mean people who don't have four-year degrees aren't disciplined or whatever, but this was a tangible way of, of this guy assessing this. And um, that kind of stuck with me because it's true that the benefit of our education, whatever kind of education you have, 
it's not so much about the piece of paper or about a particular skill that you might have learned or a particular bit of information that's been imparted to you. It's really the whole of the experience about working at things, working at learning new things, working at um, discovering new things, communicating with people about the things that you're learning, being disciplined and following through and showing up, you know, to class at eight in the morning when you didn't feel like it. And all of these things kind of come together and they're part of how we are formed and in a very good way. So I wouldn't say that anybody who's choosing to stay home with her kids full time is wasting her education. I would say she's using it. And um, so I think that's a, a helpful way of looking at it. And then, you know, with regard to your question, Vanessa, how do women decide these things? I think we decide it in all different ways. And one one thing that I might say is that this isn't one of those decisions where you decide something and it's it's done. Like, that's it. Like, you decide you're going to be an at-home mom and that's it. You put on that label and that's who you are. It doesn't have to look like that. You should be open to maybe making a different decision in the future if that makes sense or if your circumstances change or if there's a new opportunity or whatever. We can't predict going into family life all of the different challenges we're going to face, but also we can't predict all of the different opportunities that we're going to have. So for sure, my home work kind of life balance as a mom through the years has shifted and changed in ways I never could have anticipated. And, you know, I, I never could have planned it out that way. But I, I know it's it's part of God's plan for our family. And Dan and I have kind of prayerfully discerned that as we've gone through and decided which work opportunities I would take on and which I wouldn't and how he would work and all of that. So I think that looks different for every family. But I appreciate your question, Vanessa. And I don't think you're really looking for me to, you know, tell you if you're meant to stay home full time with your kids or not. But it sounds to me just from the brief little bit that you shared there, that you should be right now, it, it sounds like it's the right decision for you, especially where your kids are so little, still a lot of years left there where they're going to really need your your time and attention. And if you're able to do that, and if you're loving doing that, why on earth wouldn't you do that? <laughs> Sounds good to me. All right, you might have a question that you want me to take up here in this section of the podcast, or you might have feedback about today's show, or you might have a topic that you'd like me to take up on a future episode of Girlfriends. I would love to hear from you. You can always email me, Danielle, at daniellebean.com. Another fun way that I have loved connecting with listeners of the Girlfriends podcast is through the Girlfriends community, which is available over at girlfriendscommunity.com. If you appreciate what we're doing here in the podcast, the kinds of conversations we're having, Girlfriends Community is a way for you to go deeper with those things and have more access to one another, conversations with one another, but also conversations with me. As part of the Girlfriends Community, you get twice a week live video conversations with me that you're able to participate in, daily prayer support, ongoing conversations about marriage, family, faith life, work, relationships, wellness, all of this good stuff that we really care about. We're always sharing about and looking to encourage and support each other right there in the girlfriends community. It's not social media. This is a different thing. It's a positive and encouraging place made just for Catholic women like you. So if you want to check it out, you can try it out for a week for free. Go over to girlfriendscommunity.com. Would love to connect with you in there. And that's all the time we have for this week. But I want to thank you for joining me here on the podcast. I love connecting with you here. The fact that you listen to what I share here on Girlfriends means the world to me. The fact that you share some of your time each week, taking in what we're, we're offering here at Girlfriends just is so encouraging to me. So I love knowing that you're out there. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. 
Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 